0: the biggest lesson that ultimately it comes down to you just got to have you got to take the action you got to have the thick skin you got to be prepared for those types of scenarios if you really want to be in it if you're not prepared for that if you would just want to take the action then maybe you're better off as a passive investor
1: welcome to passive wealth strategies for busy professionals the show that teaches you how to grow your wealth without buying yourself a second job really excited for this conversation today we're talking with kyle jones of two-point capital He is calling in from Sydney, Australia, although he does not live there. He's there for his day job, and uh, we're talking real estate here. So he's got a high-level sales job at a prominent company, and he also buys multifamily real estate, and he's really killing it right now. He's a key principal on over $12 million of multifamily real estate as we're talking today, and I'm sure by the time this goes live, that number will have gone up as he uh, recently got another property under contract. If you were at Michael Blanc's event in November of 2018 in Northern Virginia, you saw him. He spoke on stage. He talked about a particular deal that he had done, and uh, that's you know why I'm excited to talk to him today, because I was there, and uh, it's great to hear his story, and uh, we'll talk more about what he's doing. So Kyle, thank you for taking some time from your trip down there in Sydney to talk to us today. Trip down under. Yeah. No, thank you for having me, Taylor. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. You've got an interesting setup and you're doing very well. So it's exciting to talk to you. Can you tell our listeners a bit about the multifamily properties you're buying and where and what you're targeting and all that good stuff? Give us your background here. Sure.
0: sure. Well, I'll just start with the latter in the background. My background is like you said, I'm in a high-tech corporate sales job. I've been in technology sales for really my entire career after I graduated college. So over 10 years of experience doing high-tech sales with cross services and software and things like that. I'd really started looking at real estate seriously a few years ago when I saw my dad get laid off from the industry as well. So he was working for a high-tech company. And that company was just going through a transformation type effort where they're bringing in more, I would say, younger folks or youthful folks who um, are aspiring to get to that level. But anyways, you know, a lot of people saw a lot of people get pushed to early retirement. And my dad was in a position where he just wasn't ready to retire comfortably. You know, he probably could have, but would have had to change his lifestyle pretty drastically. But Anyway, saw that going on, and he's here. He is at sixty one, sixty two, trying to find a new job. And at that point, that's really what pushed me over the edge to just jump in and and try it out. And so, started buying single family homes. Literally, I think I woke up and went out and bought five houses, thinking that that would scale. And we we renovated them all, and you know we were going to try to hold some. My wife and I, when I say we, try to hold some to get renters, and then. You know, got a renter, and I look up, and it's like, hey, this is cash flowing nicely. And then I'm netting about 100 to 200 dollars a door. And I'm sitting here doing the math in my head. I was like, well, how do I scale that? I need, you know, X number of houses, and I'm already, you know, running low on capital from, from doing that. So <laughs> I started looking at multifamily almost immediately. and pivoted shortly after I even I closed in that fifth house. And I remember thinking, man, I had already been doing, you know, got through a lot of the rehab on the others and figured out I need to move to something else to scale if I want to keep doing this. And so, went out and actually, you know, I'm, I'm condensing the schedule or the, the timeline, but I went out and bought a, a smaller multifamily or put a 21 unit under contract. Shortly after that, put another 14 unit under contract, ended up closing on the 14 unit, the 21. Unit kind of fell out due to Hurricane Harvey, but just from there, knew I wanted to continue to scale, and even going into the 14 unit, knew that um, we had limited capital that we were working with because we were self-funding a lot of this from just working in high-tech sales and bonuses and savings and stuff. And that's when I really made the shift to not only multifamily but now syndications and learning how to raise capital. And so ended up partnering with a couple folks to get me into the familiarity with raising capital, Michael being one of those, uh, which is why I was able to get on stage there. But um, yeah, I mean, and then we've slowly just moved into continuing to scale. And, you know, each deal we're, we're getting better and better. And, you know, we just put our sixth property under contract, which will be. Keep principle in, and uh, just really looking forward to continuing to scale. So that's a really short, condensed
1: version. (laughs) Took years to get there, but uh, you turned it into a couple minutes, so that's great. So as far as you've, you got into the single family and then realized it's going to take me forever to actually create any kind of significant amount of cash flow and I'm basically out of money. I can't buy any more of these things at this point. So You got into multifamily. And what have you found has been one of the big things? Like you mentioned bringing capital in. So you're raising money from investors. What have you found have been some of the big lessons there when it comes to working with your own money compared to working with investors' money?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think when I first started out with my own capital, I was also going in with the mindset that, hey, even if I, first of all, you never want to lose money. But the reality is you could. And even if I take a little bit of a hit or if I take some, you know, some punches to the to the face, I'm okay with that because I'm, I'm building my track record. I'm building the experience. And if you look at it, the cost of college these days in comparison, you know, you're still, you're not, maybe you might, I mean, depending on the size of the deal, but I wasn't doing a large enough deal where I'd Felt like I had hundred thousand dollars at risk or something like that. It was just, it was a small risk, but I was willing to look at it that way. And now, by having that and by you know going through the processes of of learning the the business and dealing with tenants and then you know firsthand and then dealing now with property managers, you know it's just given me that much more confidence to be able to start taking in investor capital, which is which is where we are. So it's just building that track record and building the confidence for you to be able to do that i think was was key and i know not everybody's in that position but you know if you don't have your own capital saved up or enough savings to go buy a smaller multifamily or something like that you could still partner up with somebody who does to uh, give you that
1: comfort level and you know grow that way so yeah absolutely as far as when you you've you're bringing money in from investors stuff like that as far as meeting investors and building that relationship from your end what have you found and we're mostly talking to the passive investors out there but from the the mm-hmm. other end of the syndicator meeting investors what have you found has been a productive way to forge that relationship and build that relationship because you know most great syndicators the big guys will tell you that Troublesome investor can be just as much trouble as a troublesome tenant or a troublesome property manager. So that it's a two way street, right? If we want to passively invest in a deal, the syndicator has to like us, right? Yeah. So building the, those relationships and and getting that going. What's been the most productive methods for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's you said it right when you said it's a relationship. I mean, a relationship takes two people, no matter what. If it's friends you know, high school buddies, wife, kids, whatever, there's usually more than one person involved. So, you know, I think I still bring out my sales background to every situation. I think that's what helps me with the communication style, the allowing the investor to get comfortable with me, you know, just really trying to build a rapport, you know, and I'm my style, I'm definitely not an aggressive salesperson, even in my corporate job. I'm more of, hey, let me just come in and and show up, you know, Get out to lunch every now and then, but let me mostly just listen to what you want. And you know, from my corporate job, a customer's perspective, they'll tell you exactly what they want if you just allow them to, and if they get comfortable with you. Same thing with an investor. I mean, they'll tell you exactly what they're looking for. I mean, and most people these days generally are looking for same types of returns, high value added deals, B and C class properties. You know, a syndicator with a track record, operator with a track record. So, a lot of those are the same things so how are you different versus somebody else who has more experience and for me how i try to just portray myself is just being truly myself being genuinely authentic and just really giving just being as transparent as possible with giving them any type of information they want to see to get them comfortable with the deal you know whether it's financials or underwriting allowing them to underwrite the own deals if they're you know, if they've got that type of uh, need or experience. So it's just, it all comes back to just building rapport, getting them to feel comfortable with you and just
1: trusting you. Hmm. Interesting. So Kyle, something that I wonder about when you, you have all these responsibilities, you wear so many hats, you're wearing a hat right now. It's fantastic with your logo on it, but metaphorical hats, you have your day job, You have a business on the side, you have your multifamily investments, and you're married and you have kids. So that's a lot. And time management is huge in there. How do you think about your sleep schedule? There's so much out there right now in the entrepreneurship world and multifamily world about, oh, I can survive on two, three hours worth of sleep. What do you do, especially with all this travel you do and all these hats you wear? How do you manage that and not sacrifice your beauty rest?
0: (laughs) That's a great question, and I think for me, you know, coffee is a big part of my day, number one. But um, like I was talking about being intentional with my time, I'm intentional with my sleep as well. So I'm usually going to bed or starting to go to bed around nine, and I try to fall asleep anywhere between nine thirty and ten, and then I'm usually. Starting to get up around four. Um, I say starting because my alarm clock goes off at four, but usually don't get out of bed anywhere from till about four fifteen, four thirty. Some days, but and then I just take those couple hours before I really need to get into it to just kind of get myself back to um, you know going through a morning routine. So getting a workout in, doing a meditation, journaling, things like that. A lot of those things that a lot of the gurus are talking about. But for me, sleep is very important. So, I I don't think I could operate if I was tired all the time with these three different areas. And I say three with the corporate job, real estate business and appraisal business. So, And then family being the most important of that. And so, just being very intentional there to where I'm getting the adequate sleep so that I can operate at the highest level that I can. And it's... I mean, it is hard. I mean, especially... Like this week, you know, being in Australia, when I get back, my my body clock is going to be so out of whack. So it's going to take a couple days to get back into it. But, you know, you just have to be intentional with it. And, you know, I know it's going to suck.
1: Embrace the suck, as they say. So, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that time difference is something I, I always struggle with it. I mean, as we're talking here on the... Chat. It is approaching uh, eight PM here in in Richmond, where I live, and yeah. it's probably by my math, it's probably it's like ten AM in Sydney. I think if I have the time difference right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's something that I see the sun setting over here, and I can see it more or less rising through the window over there. So it's it's interesting <laughs> to think about, but I think I would personally struggle with that amount of travel and that uh, that lack of sleep. Yeah. So. You know, I, I applaud you for being successful with it. Oh, that.
0: nice. <laughs> when we landed, we left on Friday night, Houston time. We landed Sunday morning, essentially Sydney time with a layover in Auckland, New Zealand. But literally just, I was so tired, just stayed up. And I was able to last all the way until about 7.30 p.m. So, hopefully my body is on the right schedule, but you know, time will just tell, but that's, so uh, just having traveled over here before I knew what I needed to do. So it's just me and my kids and my wife, actually, she jet lag got the best of her. So she stayed back, but I just got the kids out, started walking around the city, just kept them busy.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. That's fantastic. So, um, back to managing all these, these real estate deals that you're doing and you know, you're hunting for deals. You've got deal flow going and you, you're getting deal, you're putting deals under contract. So you must have good ones coming into you. How have you built that system up and how do you get that deal flow going? And this is going to be the naive question would be, are you finding these deals on LoopNet? Where are they coming from?
0: So it's mostly through brokers. I mean, uh, there's no other way around it. You know, people are always looking for the off market deal, but like even just since I've been in multifamily, I'm getting so many letters from people saying, hey, I want to buy your apartment, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't know how to keep up with that other than just put it in a drawer in my in my desk and just let it sit there. But the brokers still control a lot of the deals, whether we want to you know, admit that or not. So, it's just building the rapport and relationships with the brokers. Like the conversation we were having about how to... Uh, build rapport with an investor, or for me, a customer that's going to purchase the software that we sell. You know, same thing with the broker community. How can we get them to trust us that we're going to be able to deliver? You know, number one, close on the deal. Number two, be easy to work with. And then, you know, just do what you're you say you're going to do with the relationship. And that's what I've done. I was intentional with the fact that I went out face to face into these markets. I met with the brokers. I used a loop net deal to get some broker information, but then I flew out and spent blocks of time with them, you know, two hours, sometimes half full, half days, full days, whatever it took to just spend the time with them. So now I don't have to do that as much because I did it early in my real estate career. Obviously there's new brokers who I don't know. So I do still do that occasionally as when I can, but by doing that, and having closed on some of the deals that they have fed me, it's really sped up that deal flow. So now it's like, hey, look at this off-market deal. I've only sent it to 10 people. Whereas now it's, hey, I'm going to be in this market going to look at this property for the first time to meet with the owner. Why don't you come along? Because we think it's something that you'd like. So I literally, this has happened. I've gone, yeah, it's really cool. I, I got to go tour a property with a broker pretend to be a broker myself and just get a first-hand look at, you know, dealing with the owner and, you know, visiting the, the property in its kind of vulnerable state, if you will. So, uh, it was a really cool experience. And so, now I get deals all the time, even if it's not that type of setup where we're touring with them. It's like, hey, I just got these financials for the first time. He may want to sell. I don't know. Are you okay with this? So, it's like, I'm looking at financials for a property from an owner who may not ever sell and but these are what the brokers go through it's like hey I just got these let's look at it let's just put an offer out there and see where it goes and and so I'm spending more time looking at those types of deals where they're they're not even off-market deals I don't know what you call them they're just they're just property the seller has or the yeah the owner has sent the uh, financials so but all that took a lot of time, right? And I think ultimately it comes back to what I mentioned. You've got to get out there face to face. You know, a lot of a lot of us are looking at deals and markets that we don't live in. And so, you know, if you and me are competing in a deal and neither one of us has met the broker, all he's gonna have to go off of is what we tell him in a Word document for our track record. You know, that's very hard for them.
1: So yeah. And their priority is to close the deal and not have their own relationship ruined with their property owner based on, exactly. you know, them putting it under contract with somebody who didn't know what they were doing a buyer or they didn't know what they were doing. Exactly. What is the best investment you ever made? The best investment I've ever made.
0: Um, I would say for me, it's more an investment in myself. And it starts with educating myself in the real estate world in general. And so it's all the money that I've spent on books. You know, I haven't spent tens of thousands of dollars in a coaching program like some people have, but I have spent probably hundreds, maybe a couple thousand bucks on books and just different tools and resources and stuff. So I would say for me, those are the best investments that I've made because it's allowed me to see another world that I never thought
1: I would be a part of. Great. I love it. On the other side of that, what is the worst investment you ever made? <laughs> I I mean,
0: there's probably a lot of dumb things that I've done with money, but real estate related, I think, um, I don't know. I, fortunately, we really haven't lost money or anything. I mean, we've been through some hardships on a couple of deals, but they're, they've really flipped around when we made the necessary changes. But I would think it would just be come down to not starting fast enough in the multifamily space. So maybe just kind of, I mean, so on a couple of those houses, I really broke even on a couple of them. So I think if I would have maybe not purchased those two houses and started in the multifamily space sooner, you know, who knows where I could be by this point, but you know, I'm where I am right now in my life where I need to be because I think going through those experiences really helped me build the thick skin, build the callus that I need to be able to be in this business.
1: Yeah, you weren't prepared in the past to be in the situation you are now. Those situations and experiences and investments had to teach you and turn you into the person in the situation that you're in right now. Absolutely. So my favorite question, what is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm a big action guy. So, obviously, you know, taking the right action or just taking any action to get into it. But it's also just, you've got to have, I just actually kind of hit on it. You've got to have the thick skin and the callus, you know, and it only, you can only get that by taking action. So, you know, if you're looking at this business because you just want to make some money or because you have some other goals, whatever you've got to think about the other side of it where, okay, if, if this really happens, you know, be careful what you wish for because it might come true. And if it does, are you prepared to handle things like that? I mean, experiences that we've had in this, I've had tenants, I had a tenant pass away on one of the first deals, you know, in the unit. So you think about, yes, it was somewhat tragic for that individual, you know, as an elder gentleman, so he was nearing that time of his life anyways. But the amount of, I mean, the, the mess, the mess that was just left there. That you know, the the, it's you know, when people pass and they've been sitting in a unit for three days before somebody finds them, that oh. is a messy deal. <laughs> I know it's. We've had uh, just other things where, you know, property managers just are flat out lying to you. You know, where they say they're doing certain things, but they're not, or. To my knowledge, I haven't had anybody stealing from me yet, but I've had people lying, like and I mentioned, or you know, they're using our funds for another purpose. I guess that could be considered stealing. But you know, we had a property manager who was using our materials and our maintenance staff to do work for other properties that they were operating out of our deal. So, the biggest lesson that ultimately it comes down to you just got to have, you got to take the action, you got to have the thick skin, you got to be prepared for those types of scenarios if you really want to be in it. If you're not prepared for that, if you just want to take the action, then maybe you're better off as a passive investor. And, you know, a lot of people are, they don't like that because it's not as sexy and you can't, you know, create more equity from, you know, the sweat equity, if you will. So, you know, they're looking at it and being passive just takes longer to get to the financial freedom goal that you want. And that's right. But, you got to be able to handle it.
1: So, yeah. Well, on the other side of that, you know, the passive investors out there need to remember or should remember that the people that they're looking at actively investing with need to have those characteristics that you mentioned. And they need to have that thick skin. They need yeah. to be really willing to go get it.
0: Perseverance is huge. I mean, I don't know if you remember this story, but I, I told it at the live event that I spoke at. And even just dealing with a seller who quickly realized after we put the deal under contract, how under market he agreed to for purchase price. (laughs) He delayed that deal. He did everything he could to get out of that deal. And he took every opportunity where we had to engage our attorney. And I wasn't sure. I mean, I'm in the middle of trying to close this deal. We had already raised all the capital. We had all these investors in here. So I'm like, I was losing sleep at that time just because I was not sure how to handle. it. I really hadn't dealt with that in issue in the past, but after the fact, it's like a huge sigh of relief. We made it through. We closed on the deal, but it was it was about a nine month close because of this guy. He's just not cooperating, and you know now I'm I'm looking at it again, and <laughs> you know the same broker came back to me and, with another deal, and he said, "Oh, by the way, it's so and so's deal," and I said, "You know what? Let's do it. Like if it's." You know, <laughs> wow. So we're, we're looking at it. It's the same seller. But I mean, it's like once I've gone through that process and learned my lesson, you know, we just go back and button up the contract even more with some certain areas that we probably shorted ourselves on. So, but at the end of the day, yeah, you've got to have all of those characteristics to keep going because it's, it's not just, you know, sunshine and, and rainbows as soon as you close on the deal and i've heard too many stories <laughs> from some other friends who are in the business too that are are living this testimony.
1: Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's up next for you and where can our listeners get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so my website is truepointcap.com, truepointcap.com, t r u e p T-R-U-E-P-O-I-N-T-C-A-P. o i n t c a p. What's next is i'm just continuing to acquire deals. You know, I'm not, in a, I'm not in a huge rush. You know, I do have some goals that I want to hit each year. But at the same time, I'm also, I know where we are in, in today's market that it's challenging to find a deal. So, I'm just trying to be patient and be ready that when I do come across something, be able to move quickly. So, you know, still looking in a lot of the same markets that we're in today, which tend to be mostly in the Southeast region of the U.S., um, and the one that we just put under contract, it's in um, the same city and which we're already in in, in the Gulfport area, Gulfport, Mississippi. But, you know, continue to look there for multifamily. I'm also starting to look at um, just a couple other asset classes, just getting familiar with it. We really haven't taken any action there other than just purely educating ourselves in a couple of these markets or uh, classes. So we'll see where that takes us. But at the end of the day, My foundation right now is still multifamily. So we're just looking to continue to scale there. And, you know, who knows where it can take us, but, you know, we're excited for it. We're excited for the future.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening. If you're interested in getting in touch there, everything he mentioned is going to be in the show notes. So you can definitely check that out. Kyle, I hope you enjoy the rest of your time at Sydney and safe travels, getting home. I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll have a good time out there with your family and doing business and everything. Yeah. So thanks for calling in from so far away. Certainly appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot.
1: Well, again, once again, thanks for tuning in everybody. If you're enjoying passive wealth strategies for busy professionals, it'd be a big help. If you would leave us a rating and a comment on iTunes. Share with your friends if there's anybody out there interested in getting into investing and growing their wealth without buying themselves a second job. We would very much love to have them as part of our tribe. For now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, great week, and we'll talk to you on the next one.